in the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, we're told at the very beginning of the story that Noah was a righteous man and he was blameless before God. And we're told that he walked with God. We're also told in Genesis chapter 6 that the violence and evil on the earth was rampant and that something had to be done. And namely, that God was going to destroy everything that he had created. Every living creature that had breath in its nostrils would be wiped from the face of the planet. Every animal, every fish of the sea, every bird of the air, everything that lived would die. Because evil had prospered so much. Then we come to Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How uncanny is it that this guy Noah would discover God's grace. And that through Noah finding the grace in God, that he and his family would be saved. That he and his family would outlast the storm that would be approaching. Now so many of us today as we come into this room, we're walking and we're carrying a lot of different things. A lot of things that we can own. A lot of things that someone else has thrown on our backs. Some of the things that we shouldn't own. Some of the things that we should absolutely release ourselves from. And so Noah finds grace in the eyes of God. And his story is altered. Now, finding grace in the eyes of God for Noah did not mean, nor does it mean for us, that we're not going to have to go through the storm. It's not that when you and I find and come to Christ or we find grace in the eyes of God through the person of Jesus that suddenly, miraculously, we are pulled out of the world in which we live and we're set on a high place of prominence in which there is no turmoil, no conflict, no problems. Actually, the opposite is true. But when you and I find grace in the eyes of God, like Noah did, then no matter what storm comes, no matter how long it rains, no matter how long the blizzard is, no matter what category of the, the hurricane, no matter what uh, on the scale for the tornado, no matter if it's the earthquake at a 10 on the Richter, if you and I find grace in the eyes of God, it's really all that matters. Finding grace in the eyes of God is not happening in this story because Noah is an exceptional individual. We are told that he is upright. We are told that he walks with God. But Noah is a human being like you and me. He put his clothes on just like we put our clothes on. He goes to work just like we go to work. He has a family just like many of us have families. And there is dysfunction in all of that story. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. It made a difference. Not only in Noah's story, not only in his family's story, but it's a story that's told 
across cultures for thousands of years. In fact, if you go back, and for those of you who are kind of interested in biblical studies, and you study uh, biblical studies, and you study what was going on in the world, if you study Mesopotamian literature, if you study Babylonian literature, you'll find that there is a flood story in every single culture that existed in that time, which I would say goes to prove without a doubt that there was a flood, and the world was flooded, and that there was a need and a people that needed to be rescued by God. Whether that story is the epic of Gilgamesh, whether that story is Enkidu and the person of Upnapishtim, it makes no difference. Because the storm came, and we're told in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8... That Noah found grace in the eyes of God. This story transcends culture. That's why as children, we know about it. That's why we're taught about it. And we know the end of the story. God puts a rainbow up in the clouds to define a covenant in which he will not send a flood again to destroy the world. But Noah and his family are able to survive as the remnant of humanity, all because Noah discovered grace in the eyes of God. So as we begin today, I just want to ask you that simple question. And it's a definite yes or a definite no. It's not a maybe or I don't really understand what you're talking about. It's either yes or no. Have you found grace in the eyes of God? Not have you found grace in the eyes of your parents. Not have you found grace in the eyes of your spouse. Not have you found grace in the eyes of the person that you look at when you look in the mirror. But have you and I found grace in the eyes of God? You can be forgiven by people in this world. Your spouse can forgive you. Your children can forgive you. Your parents can forgive you. Your grandparents can forgive you. Your co-workers can forgive you. Your boss can forgive you. But I'm going to submit to you that the one that you need to understand that needs to forgive you is the God who created you for purpose. Have you and I found grace in the eyes of God because His forgiveness sets the standard for all other forgiveness to flood? If you're sitting here this morning having experienced something extremely tortuous to your life. And you've been holding on. You've been holding on to the resentment. You've been angered. You've got walls up all over the place. And yet you tell me you found grace in the eyes of God. Then I am going to tell you that you're a walking oxymoron. Because... To have experienced the grace of God in its fullness means that you and I have got to let go of our resentment. It means that you and I have to forgive other people just as God has chosen to forgive us as we seek Him and as we find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now I want to speak very quickly and then I'm going to move on to Noah's story But I want to tell you what forgiveness is and what it's not. Forgiveness is the ability to love people despite the circumstances 
and not to allow whatever situation or resentment has crept into your life to keep you from having joy in your life. It does not mean that the relationship that you had with an individual is necessarily to the exact level it was before the transgression happened. And I want to speak specifically in this moment to abuse. If you have been physically abused or sexually abused, it is not meant for you to have the relationship that you had with that individual when that abuse occurred. What is necessary is that you're able to move beyond that circumstance, that moment, that you will quit reliving it. You will quit going over it and over it again in your heart and your mind. And you will allow the Holy Spirit of God to reign in your heart so that you are not angry. So that you can let go and allow God to begin His tremendous healing. Without forgiveness, there is no healing. Have you found grace in the eyes of God? For some of us, the forgiveness that we seek is forgiving other people. But for a great majority of us, the forgiveness that we seek is forgiving ourselves. Because you and I, when we look in the mirror on a daily basis, we see someone that struggles. We see someone who is broken. See, God is in the business of taking our brokenness and transforming our lives. God is in the business of taking our can'ts and saying, yes, you can. I think that's why I love the children's story of the little engine that could. You might remember it. It was in a Golden Books classic. Still have it. Bought it for my son either for his first or second birthday. But that story kind of captures the idea that when the world has gone awry and when everybody else says that you can't, when you don't look the part, when you don't feel the part, when you can't act the part, when you don't look good enough for other people, yes, you can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And you can soar any mountain, any obstacle. You can go through any storm. But it's not based on your and my strength. It's based on have we found grace in the eyes of God. Forgiving self. Forgiving others. And allow healing to reign. If you sit here today and you say my relationship with God is not where it should be. And for the large majority of us our hands would go up. Mine would go up. My, 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 my relationship with Christ is not where it could be. Could it be that it's not where it could be or where it should be because we're holding on? We're holding on to that deep, dark secret. And the secret is that we've been bruised and we've been tattered and we've been torn. And we don't want anybody to know about it. And so we're always on the defensive We've got walls. We let people get so close to us, but not too close. We keep them at bay. We keep them at a distance because we're afraid that we might get hurt again. And you know what? We might. But there is no healing unless we let the walls down and let the grace of God 
in. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That was the strength that enabled him to be blameless, to walk with God. And so God commanded Noah a great and many things to do, a sundry things, and Noah was faithful in it. And what it says in this story, the story of Genesis chapter 6 is not a story of a man and his family who got on an ark and sailed the oceans blue long before 1492. It's the story of a man who walked with God. It's the story of a man who needed God. You and I desperately need God. We desperately need God. On our best day, when we can shine the greatest and the brightest that we can, we need God. On our worst day, we're in the valley, we need God. Don't ever buy into Satan's lie That you're good enough. Because let me tell you something. You and I are never good enough. But his grace is enough. We need God. What do we need from God? We need his protection. Noah was getting ready to face the greatest obstacle of his life. Noah was getting ready to face the greatest storm in human experience. Noah was getting ready to face a miracle, and so the world was going to face a miracle. And that miracle was something that had never happened in the world before, and it's going to happen today. And it's called rain. Never before had it rained on the earth. Before, when the trees and the plants of the field were watered, water burst up from the ground. Maybe you've never recognized that. But rain is first recorded in Genesis chapter 6 when the storm came. So I, wanna, I want you to picture this. They're out in the middle of a wilderness. And God comes to Noah and he tells Noah, I want you to build a boat, an ark. I want you to build it out of gopher wood. And there were specific measurements. There were specific things that Noah had to do. The ark was going to be 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, and 450 feet long. The exact measurements is what God gave Noah. And so Noah and his family did not question God. But the Bible tells us that Noah, in this chapter, in chapter 6, that Noah was faithful in everything that God had commanded him to do. In chapter 6, verse 22. After... Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And so he begins this work of building this ark. I can only imagine what would happen if someone in Elizabethan decided to build an ark today. We would do exactly like the human beings did in Noah's day. They would look at the idiot out in the middle of the world building this ark when there is no water. Can you just hear the jeering of the human race? Noah's friends. The people in Noah's community. Noah, you are an idiot. Noah, you are nuts. Noah, you have gone bananas. You have lost your mind. Your family has lost its mind. And for months and months and months and months, Noah was tormented. And verbally abused and ridiculed and made fun of in every single sort of way. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of God and did everything that God commanded him. And you know what? I don't think the people were jeering when the pitter-patter droplets began to fall from the heavens. Suddenly the story takes on a different nuance. Because what did Noah need from God? Noah needed God's protection. Noah's life was spared, but also... We not only need his protection, we needed his provision. Noah needed his provision. God would make a way where there seemed to be no way. God would work in ways that we cannot see. God would do amazing things in our story like he did in Noah's. See, we have the advantage when we go to chapter 6 and we read the subtitle, Wickedness in the World. We can jump to chapter 8 and we say, oh, thank goodness, Noah made it. You see, for our story, chapter 8 is yet to be written. We're in the midst of chapter 6. And we're right before the threshold of the fact. Can we say that we found grace in the eyes of God? Then following that, God gives us instructions. And Noah was obedient to a T. He crossed his T. He dotted his I. And in everything that God directed, he fulfilled what God had said to do. So God protected him. God, Noah needed God to provide for him to make provision. And God's provision was the ark. God's provision was not removal from the storm. God's provision was his presence in the midst of the storm. And so Noah builds this ark. And then God comes to him and says, I want you to seek out Animals, two of each kind and seven of one kind. The whole point of that story is to make sure that there is an example of the living birds and the living animals so that there's something to repopulate with. And so Noah assembles all these animals on the ark. You say, I don't know if that's possible. Really? It always amazes me how people have these doubts that they want to throw at Scripture. The God of the universe can do whatever he wants to do, whatever pleases him to do. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That's as big of a miracle as it is for God to take his people on an ark and allow them to survive and have all these animals on the ark. I don't know how God did it. I don't care how he did it. What matters is he did it. You and I get so caught up in these little trivial matters. I don't care. God said, do this. Noah was faithful in doing it. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. As God protected Noah and his family. As God provided for Noah and his family. But then also, what we need from God is not only protection, provision. It's promise. God promised Noah in verse 18 of the passage. I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then in verse 19, you are to bring into the ark the living creatures and all these things. God's promise was a covenant relationship. What does that mean? God's promise was himself. God offered himself to Noah. Why? Because Noah found grace in the eyes 
of God. We need God's protection. We need God's provision. We need God's promise. But is that enough? No, the Bible goes on to say that Noah would not be alone on that ark. That Noah would take others with him, his family namely with him. Because here's the thing, God knows that you and I cannot endure a storm alone. Now some of us have been very good at attempting to endure it alone. And ever along life's way and along life's journey, there are little hiccups here and little hiccups there and little things here that kind of pop up suddenly. And so we find that we're not as good at managing ourselves as we would hope to be. You see, God understands that we don't just need to go through the storms with Him. But that God has created others for us to be able to relate to. We need God. We need each other. Look at verse 18 of the passage. The Bible says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. The whole purposes of God's story is to be inclusive of people. God does not want to exclude anyone. As long as they find grace in his eyes. He said, this is a horrible, horrible story. God sent these rains and the rains began to fall. And pandemonium ensued all over the earth. Because the only people that were saved in that moment were Noah and his family and their wives. Can you imagine Can you imagine what was going on outside as it began to rain? Because it had never rained before. People began thinking, okay, this is strange. And I bet you that when there were puddles all over the place from the rain... You know, you know this, this is, this, we can handle this. We've seen, we've seen water come up from the ground before. Can you imagine what it was like when it got ankle deep all over the place? People were running for high ground... Noah was safely secure in the ark. And don't you imagine that when it was knee deep and waist deep, the people began to freak out and they were searching for the ark and they were pursuing the ark and they were banging on the ark. Noah, let us in. Open the door. Let us in. Save us. But you see, Noah didn't shut the door. God Shut the door. The Bible tells us in verse 16 of chapter 7. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. God shut the door on his provision. He shut the door on his promise. He shut the door on his protection. And the ones that were saved are the ones who listened to God, who pursued God, and found grace in God's eyes. The rest of humanity died in that storm. 
Noah was not saved from the storm. Noah was saved in the midst of the storm. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, the storm raged havoc on the ark. And the cries of the people eventually diminished as people were swept away in the coming tides. But Noah and his family in the midst of that ark were saved. And they traveled and finally the winds of God came. The Bible tells us and the water begins to recede. And it landed upon Mount Ararat which is a modern day Turkey as the Bible tells us. The storm stopped. The storm had a 41st day. And if you're here this morning and you're in the midst of a battle and you're in the midst of a storm, maybe the issue is forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of others. And you're, you know, you are just, you are plagued, you're defined, you're broken. I want you to know that your storm will come to a close. There's always a 41st day to every single storm that we face. But I'm going to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. It is much better to experience the storm inside God's provision than on the outside. I can tell you for my own life, my wife could tell you for her own life, we could talk about our families and all this, that when you and I face a storm, you want God leading you. You don't want to be separated from Him. Because when you and I are separated from God, when the storms of life come, there is one factor that will happen. We will perish in the storm. And the storm will define us. And for so many of us, we have symbolically died. We have symbolically perished in our lives because we have gone through life and sure we give credence to God we worship him on Easter we worship him at Christmas we get excited every once in a while but on a routine basis we don't need God and so we go through life by ourselves journeying by ourselves and then we wonder why we are falling apart we wonder why our children are turning against us we wonder why we've got this problem and that problem and this issue and that issue we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would remove it when all God wants to do is show up in the midst of your life and for you to find grace in the eyes of God because that alone makes a difference in the story that we tell. Can you imagine what the story would be if Noah did not have a relationship with God? It wouldn't be the story of Noah, a blameless and upright man. It would be the story of a man named Noah who became defined by his storm And if he happened to survive physically from the onslaught of the storm, he would never be joyful. There would never be a covenant. There would never be a remnant. There would never be salvation. Because salvation comes solely from the person of Jesus, from God, the author and finisher of our faith. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. It defined his story. What defines yours? We need 
each other. Noah recognized that he needed others to work with him to bring about this ark, to bring about this work that needed to be accomplished. Noah and his family worked tirelessly to do it. Preparing for the day that a storm would come. Listen, if you're in a peacetime in your life, if you're on a mountaintop experience in your life, use the mountaintop to God's glory to prepare for the moment when you're going to be in the valley. There's a reason there's a mountaintop. Because there is a valley. And if you and I want to reach the mountaintop that we've always yearned and longed for, we've got to quit groveling in the valley. We've got to quit sulking in the valley. We've got to quit having a pity party in the valley. God has said that He loves you. God has demonstrated His love in this, that He sent His one and only Son for you, that you might have life and have it abundantly. So if you don't have an abundant life... I believe it means you don't have Jesus. What is your condition? What are you seeking? What kind of storm are you facing? Are you rising above the water? Or today, are you drowning? Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Everything that happens in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8 is a dramatic result of God's grace. Everything that happens in your life from this moment forward happens as a result of God's grace. The question is, are you going to recognize it? Are you going to find it? Are you going to grab hold on it? Are you going to knock at the door and allow the door to be open? Are you going to run out to God? Let me tell you something. You may be in your mid-30s. You may be in your early 40s. You say, ah, I've got 20 or 30 years to get my commitment up to Christ. You don't know what the storm's going to bring. And you don't know what storm's coming. You may be a teenager this morning and say, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe a senior adult and you say, people think that I'm a believer. I've acted the part for 60 years. Gosh, if I got saved, what will people think of me? Who gives a rip? I said it. Are you more worried about what people think about you in this life, in this community, than what God thinks of you? What we need in the midst of our storm is a perspective of knowing that not only are we going to live, not only are we not going to live life without God, we're not going to be dependent upon him per se because God doesn't want us just to be dependent on him God wants to develop a covenant relationship with us so that we are communicators that we are wedded so that we are married in a relationship with Christ it's not just that we go to God when we need help he's not just some 911 person and that could have easily been done in this story 
But from the very beginning, the parameter was set. God's grace was issued. And Noah was blameless and upright. And it says that he walked with God. And he did everything that God had commanded him to do. We need God. We need God. Each other. And then I want to show you the beauty of this passage in closing. If you turn to chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, we have the story in chapter 6 of the evil being on the earth, of Noah finding grace in the eyes of God, of God commanding Noah to build the ark at certain specifications, that God would save Noah and his family, that God would develop a covenant relationship with him and his family. That the rains would come and the rains came for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the water was on the earth for more than 150 days. The waters receded and eventually Noah got to get out of the boat. But I want you to look at chapter 8 verse 1. I love it. It says, but God remembered Noah. Just stop right there and take that in. But God remembered Noah. Noah was on God's mind. This mere human being, God remembered him. God protected him. God provided for him. God gave him promise and God remembered him. Noah was on God's mind. And guess what? You are on God's mind. There's a reason that God chose to have this story of Noah included in his love letter to you. There's a reason that you're here this morning not only to hear about grace, not only to sing about grace, not only to find grace, but to experience it to its fullest. So our invitation this morning, it's all about finding grace. Finding grace in the eyes of God. It's all about those walls that we've surrounded our heart with, that we protect ourselves with, that we don't want to let anybody in. There are little fissures in that wall. There are little cracks in that wall. And God doesn't just want to have a piece of that wall down here and a piece of that wall down there. God wants the whole blame wall down. God wants to completely obliterate your plans. God wants to completely obliterate what you want. And God wants to usher in his plan. Noah never planned to build an ark. Noah never planned to survive a flood. Noah never planned to face rain coming from the heavens. But Noah faced it all having found grace in the eyes of God. And as a result of the experience, Noah goes through the greatest storm in history and comes out triumphant. Why? Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of God your victory, my victory, begins and ends with His grace. Not on your plans, not on your strength, not on your initiative, but on God's amazing, saving grace. Period. Can you rest in that assurance today?
Do you know that 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 you have found grace in the eyes of God? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt, there's not a hint of doubt in you? You're emphatic. Absolutely, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been saved by the blood of Christ. I've been transformed in his likeness. If there's anything but that for your life, if you can't be emphatic on that, I want you to know God wants you to find grace today. Maybe some of you have found grace in the past. But you've been defined by the storms that you've been facing. And you've got resentment. You haven't forgiven that person that hurt you. You haven't forgiven that person that said things about you. You haven't forgiven that person that abused you physically. Eternity is too long to be wrong. And life is too short for you to harbor that anger. If you want joy, it begins by releasing. Just let it out. Let it flow from you. Because the God of Noah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the God of love, Jesus Christ wants you to have a better life than what you have found your situation to be. But it begins with His grace. Here and now, in this moment, will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for the story of Noah and his family, of your protection, of your provision, of your promise. Lord, many of us need to receive your forgiveness for things that we've done. Many of us need to forgive ourselves, and many of us need to forgive some other people this morning. We've been robbed emotionally. We've been robbed spiritually. We've been defined by our circumstances. We've allowed the enemy to tell us that we can't when all the while God has said, Yes, 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 you can. For many of us, our hearts are hurting and broken. The tears will no longer come. Because we've turned off that faucet. we put up a wall. We've become very callous. And the problem is when we become callous to others, Lord, we become callous to you. We never intended to do that, but it's just a part of the process. But today, Lord, you've shaken our foundations. You've spoken in a still, small voice. Lord, your grace is enough. Your forgiveness is complete. The transaction has been paid. Father, I pray for the one who has resentment in their heart today. God, would you just release them from the chains? Lord, the chains that we carry are never as heavy as the chains from which we have been freed. Help us, Lord, in this time of invitation to meet you at your grace, to trust in it confidently and emphatically, to surrender our lives, our walk, our storms to you. For many of us, we would love to make decisions for our children. Our children are in broken marriages. They're going through tumultuous events of abuse. We wish we could fix it, and we can't. But God, just as you were present in Noah's storm, 
You're present in our kids' storm. You're present in our storm. And God, you make all things new. Lord, for every person in this room whose soul has gone a-wandering, for many of us who are prodigal daughters and prodigal sons, you wait on us and anticipate our return, and you're, you're looking with great anticipation. God, it's your grace that's enough. It's sufficient. Have we found it? Have we discovered it? Have we applied it? Lord, this is your time. And as we respond for those who trust in Christ, for those who need to recommit themselves, for those who need to let go and let, let the walls down, this is the invitation. This altar is a place where we come and we meet God. Let us not be worried about what people think. Let us not be worried about where we're going for lunch or what we're going to do this afternoon. This is God's moment in this time and this place and the here and the right now to do business with Him. God, I pray that you give us the encouragement we need. God, where the enemy is working and where the enemy is telling us to be silent, Lord, I pray in the power of Christ we will tell the enemy to shut up and get out. Lead us, guide us, direct us as we respond to you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, maybe to trust in Christ, surrender yourself to Him, recommit yourself to Him. Maybe you're going through a tumultuous season. Maybe you're going through a storm and you've been through a storm for decades. You've had issues that you thought were resolved and you realize this morning they're not resolved. There's room here for you. Won't you come? Won't you receive Christ? Won't you accept His grace? Have your storm, have your life defined by the power of His grace as you come. Let's stand together.